Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Oddsmaker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor Kane. And we're set to go against the spread on this week's NFL and college football cards. It's the first weekend in November. And with that, we know what that means. The college football playoff ranking polls are here. And if it's anything like what we saw this past week, the college football playoffs this year, what we saw in the World Series Game 5 matchup, what might arguably be the best World Series game that I've ever seen. I know it was a juiced ball situation, but nonetheless... Uh, game five, the Houston Astros, L.A. Dodgers was quite memorable, as was Saturday's Ohio State come from behind win over Penn State in college football. There might not be a more dramatic college football game down the stretch than what we witnessed this past weekend. So all being said, it's quite a week in the world of sports last week, quite a week in the world of sports coming up this week. And with that, I'm going to welcome our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports to the show. Victor. How did you enjoy all the action that took place last week? A wild, wild weekend, that is for sure. This is one of the craziest yet most fun times of the year if you're in the sports gaming business. You mentioned the World Series, the NBA is heating up. Of course, we'll spend some time on the college football playoff rankings. we got favorites doing very well in the NFL in the last two weeks. Uh, before we get into that stuff, we probably should go through and review our weekends, maybe not the best weekends from a volume perspective, but we hit the big games and that's important uh, for our service. We came out with a five-star NFL game of the month, Oakland Buffalo over the total. We were very fortunate to win that one by a half a point when Shady McCoy broke a 48-yard touchdown run when Buffalo was running out the clock at the end of the game. So we consider ourselves very fortunate hitting that one. Uh, you had a real nice college football five-star game of the month on the Arizona Wildcats, home underdogs against Washington State, and they beat them outright 58-37. to We were on the over in that game as well, a fun game to watch and a great uh, signature win. And, of course, you followed it up with that nice NFL winner on the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. Yeah, there was quite a few nice marquee wins for us last week, as you mentioned. It's that time of the year. As you mentioned, Victor, here it is November. We're getting down the stretch run of college football one month ago for all intents and purposes, the NFL at the midway point. So there's a lot to like about handicapping football these days. And there's perhaps arguably a lot to like about what just happened this past weekend. The debut of the 2017 college football playoff rankings came out. And I would say, Victor, overall, I think the committee nailed it. I thought they did a great job. I Personally, I think their top 10 teams are the same teams that I would have had in my top 10, my own personal top 10. Uh, arguably, you could maybe make a case for Wisconsin maybe being a little bit low. But, you know, then again, strength of schedule means a lot in the eyes of the committee. And that's the reason that Alabama is number two and not number one in the initial college football playoff rankings. Your take, Victor, on what we saw on this first college football ranking for the 2017 season. Right, and I would agree with you. Uh, some folks uh, in Tuscaloosa may not, but Georgia's played a much tougher non-conference schedule. That one-point road win against Notre Dame, in my opinion, is what has them currently number one in the college football playoff rankings, definitely. But we can also talk about there are some teams out there that have not zero losses, not one losses, but there's even a couple of two-loss teams out there that could potentially spoil the party, and they had their destiny in their own hands. I'm sure people know that Auburn is 6-2 and two on the season, but they've got a game against Georgia on November 11th. they got a game against Alabama on November 25th. Both of those games are at home. With a late-season run, Auburn can really throw a monkey wrench in those college football playoff rankings and uh, you also got to take your head off to a team now tied for first in the Big 12 mark, Iowa State. we got a spoiler opportunity for Iowa State. We already know they defeated a 
Number three ranked Oklahoma in Norman to start the month. They took down then number four TCU to finish the month. And they've got a game in Ames on November 11th against Oklahoma State. A great year for Iowa State, and they could spoil the party as well. Uh, another team I would potentially throw out there, Mark, as far as a two-loss team right now would be the Stanford Cardinal. Also 6-2 and two on the season. They've got two games coming up still. Washington on November 10th. Notre Dame on November 25th. And I know they're a little concerned with the ankle injury to Bryce Love, and he did not play last week against Oregon State, a game in which Stanford only mustered 3.7 yards per play, its lowest number in three years. But that is another team that could potentially spoil the party. So uh, I would submit to you that there's some two lost teams there that could make things very interesting at the end with Auburn, Iowa State, and Stanford. I agree with that, Victor. Uh, this looks like it's going to be a wild and woolly finish down the stretch in college football this 2017 football season. And looking at the top 25 teams that made the initial ranking, the one thing that jumps out to me the most is the absence, if you will, of Michigan. Our buddy Steve Crabb from Texas always says, where's Chip? Where's Michigan? Here's a football <laughs> team, <laughs> a football team that many people would have projected as a locked top 10 team. In this right. first initial poll, but uh, you know they haven't performed that well. And the you know I gotta say the committee was not enamored with name and reputation when they bypassed the Wolverines. You know although one of their two losses was a four point loss to Michigan, but that loss to Penn State being as bad as it was, I guess that's what knocked them out. But I'm sure we'll see Michigan find their way into the top 25 sooner than later. They've got that big game at home against Ohio State to conclude the season. That could be a big monster game. They go back-to-back, in fact, with Wisconsin and Ohio State to conclude their season, does Michigan. So they can take care of things, take care of business on their end that way. And I'll say this about the potential two lost teams that could barge their way into uh, the college football playoffs. You mentioned Auburn right at the top of the list, and deservedly so, but Uh, I'm going to throw a little note of caution out for the Auburn Tigers this week. Yes, they do play Alabama to end the season, which will be one heck of a football game, arguably to determine that SEC West division title. But they better take care of business this weekend. They got to go to Texas A&M this weekend. And, you know, they're double-digit favorites going into A&M. But that is not uh, a friendly place for visitors to go into. And Kevin, someone's got this football team playing some pretty good football right now. So Auburn Better not be looking ahead to Auburn in a season-ending match at the end of the month. But uh, all in all, I think, the, like I say, the committee, I thought they did a terrific job. I think they nailed the top 10. And, in fact, I would I would say you go deep, uh, they nailed the top 14 teams all the way down through Auburn. And the surprise guy on the list, as you mentioned, Victor, was Iowa State, a team that nobody, I mean nobody, had given a chance at the beginning of the season to even be in conversation let alone being the 15th-ranked team in the polls, but deservedly so. Matt Campbell's done a wonderful job with this team this year, and he's done it largely through defense and having also to get the job done with a third-string quarterback who has really carried the Cyclones thus far this year. So I'm excited about the college football playoff rankings poll. I'm looking forward to seeing the next one, which we'll discuss after this weekend's college football action and quite a weekend it is on tap. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. I'm talking with Victor King from King Creel Sports. And let's move over, Victor, to the NFL side of things, if you will, where, as you mentioned here, it's been quite a strong run for favorites the past two weeks in the National Football League. I think you mentioned before the show 18-7-2. Right. To the spread favorites the last two weeks in the National Football League. Uh, your thoughts on that, whether or not you see a reversal in short order coming up here, or you think the favorites will run as usual? You know, at one point, the dogs uh, were sailing along pretty well in the NFL at 54 and 37. But again, it's been a two week period for favorites. We can probably touch on that a little bit in our Las Vegas segment with Andy. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was probably the worst two-week stretch in the NFL for sportsbooks, at least over the last five years. Uh, underdogs went four and nine last week. Uh, feel fortunate if you had either the Colts, the Jets, the Houston Texans, or the Carolina Panthers, because they were the only four dogs that brought home the bacon last week. 
Yeah, it was, uh, like I say, a big run, and as Andy will mention, in our Vegas Vibe segment about the overview of what's happening in the Westgate contest here. It's been rocky for the consensus and rocky because there's a lot of people play a lot of favorites in that contest, and they've really taken it on the chin of late have favorites here. So we'll see whether or not a rebound is in order this particular week. I know there's no play from Steve Crabb on the chip. Where's chip play this week in the National Football League? And, uh, you know, I would say that maybe if a play might have been nominated, it might have possibly been the Oakland Raiders who were really embarrassed uh, in that football loss at Buffalo. But nonetheless, uh, no official play for Chip this particular week from Steve in that regard. There was a lot of activity, Victor, perhaps more than I can recall in a long, long time in the NFL trade deadline, which wrapped up on Tuesday. And uh, quite a few name players changed football teams and uh, you know, the likes of Jimmy Garoppolo going from New England over to San Francisco, which was a coup, I think, for the 49ers. Calvin Benjamin, a wide receiver, going to the Buffalo uh, Buffalo Bills. And uh, that was needed, I think, in that particular trade, given the fact that Zay Jones, who they thought so much of, a first-round pick last year, has been a bust, a total bust mm-hmm. this year, been nowhere to be seen. So maybe that move was made out of that necessity. Jay Ajay, Ajay, down here in Miami, the running back, that All was right. startling startling news by everybody down here and uh you know i had to i had to laugh a little bit when i read the headlines in the paper in the miami papers here on wednesday morning about that trade and david hyde who's a great columnist asked whether that was uh a trade that was made just out of reaction or was it a ridiculous trade one or the other but uh you know, that happened. That occurred. He goes to Philadelphia. Cleveland botched up a move about A.J. McCarron, the possibility of picking him up. Uh, on and on and on. There were so many moves that were made in the National Football League trade deadline. Your take, Victor, on what happened and what didn't happen in the NFL trades this week. Well, there were seven trades made within a week of the uh, trade deadline this year, and that's just one shy of as many trades that were made in the three-year period of 2014 through 2016 so you hit that one right on the head and as you mentioned it was definitely name players that were moving around and uh, moving from one city to another you mentioned the buffalo bills and this is a perplexing team and kudos to buffalo for a great five and two record only a half game behind New England. with that said it still kind of appears that you know from the beginning of the season People were saying, this is a tank season for Buffalo. We're going to get rid of a lot of money off the payroll for next season. And yet, they've turned it around. They've gone 5-2. and two. They've done it on the strength of a very stingy defense. They showed that last week against Oakland. And a power running game headed by LaShawn McCoy. Uh, they identified their biggest, biggest weakness, and they brought in a young top-flight wide receiver in Kelvin Benjamin. Still a team that has me scratching my head a little bit. Uh, My final thought, Mark, would be, again, we're shocked down here in Miami with Jay Ajay on his way out. Although, if you read into some of uh, Adam Gase's comments following that horrific 40-0 loss last Thursday against the Baltimore Ravens, number one, he's been critical of Ajay in the past. He voiced his frustration big time after the game, calling out Ajay for trying to hit home runs and imploring to him to basically just do his job. And he even went on to call the Dolphins the worst offense in football. Uh, Hopefully uh, he'll do wear there with Philadelphia. Just what Philadelphia needs, the number one team in the NFL, gets another running back. uh, So (laughs) good for them. But, uh, boy, uh, it's tough to see what the Dolphins are going to do this season of course, they're down to a second-string quarterback. It looks like Cutler will be back for the Sunday night game. But uh, they don't have a lot of great running backs to uh, to uh, hang their heads on uh, this week with who, Damian Williams now and Kenyon Drake. No, they don't. Uh, in fact, I, I believe that was more of a coach's move than anything else in a statement-making yeah. move by Adam Gase. Uh, he not 
I don't want to go so far as to say he was a cancer in the locker room, but uh, he played like a spoiled athlete who didn't yeah. prepare for, for football games, and it really made Adam Gase livid. And I think he needed to make an example of uh, get the locker room's attention doing just that. You mentioned that uh, he always going for home runs. He had no runs of more than 25 yards this football season. That was after having six runs of 25 or more yards last year. So uh, I'm sure Gase was right on in his observation about what he's getting out of him. He didn't like it. Uh, I think he wanted him more out of the locker room than he did the draft pick itself. So we'll see whether or not it serves Miami well. It certainly won't hurt the Philadelphia Eagles, that's for sure, because we saw that with LaShawn McCoy You know, when he, when he left the, the trade situation, the Buffalo Bills. So we'll see whether or not Jay Ajayi's career continues in a positive manner moving forward with the Philadelphia Eagles. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. Don't go away when Victor and I come back. We're going to tear down our college football game of the week, a beauty inside the SEC conference. We've got that and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence against the spread. Hey, sports fans, football season is here and it's time to get in on the action. MyBookie.ag is an industry-leading website that offers odds and action on your favorite games. Take advantage of the MyBookie specials before they're gone. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or visit us online at MyBookie.ag to open an account. Pull out your smartphone to sign up with our user-friendly mobile site for on-the-go action. What are you waiting for? Come join mybookie.ag today. Call toll free at 844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new coffee club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow coffee club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the coffee club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Okay, guys, let's get to it. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards. It's time for our college football game of the week. We go inside the Southeast Conference where number two ranked Alabama, at least in the college football playoff poll rankings, takes on LSU, the 19th ranked Bengals from the Bayou. Victor, your take on the Crimson Tide and the Tigers this Saturday. Well, I'm glad that you selected this game for our college football game of the week. Yes, there's uh, a handful of other games with big playoff impact. The Bedlam showdown in the state of Oklahoma. Virginia Tech, Miami down here. This is a game that should scare a lot of Miami fans. It it, kind of feels like they've been doing it with smoke and mirrors, particularly over the last two weeks. And yes, Virginia Tech is for real. Even Clemson, North Carolina State, another big game in the ACC conference. But LSU-Alabama is getting more than twice the betting action as any other game on the slate this weekend in college football. And I'm liking this game to go under the total. If you uh, care to join me on it, you're going to want to get in as soon as possible. It's already dropped three points. It opened at 51.5. And the over-under line as we record the podcast on Wednesday mornings at 48.5. Again, it's come down three points in terms of the point spread, boy, it's, a, it's very, very rare to see LSU getting points like this. Uh, Alabama opened up 22. It's basically settled right into three touchdowns or a 21-point spread for Alabama against LSU. We're not going to gain great insight from each team's over-under record thus far this season as both teams come in at 4-4 four and four over-under. For Alabama, average line 52.3, average score 52.7. For LSU, average line 50.6, and average score 47.4. One thing that we can gain a little insight from is the fact that we've got two very good defenses here, particularly the Crimson Tide. Number one in overall defense, allowing only 236 yards per game 
number one in scoring defense, allowing only 9.7 points per game. And LSU's not that far behind, Mark. Number 22 in overall defense, number 27 in scoring defense. They're allowing only 20 points per game as, as well. One of the two key factors for me in playing the under of this game is check out the series. In the last eight meetings, seven out of those eight meetings have gone under the total when these two teams play each other. Average line, 44.9. Average score, only 32.8. So the average Alabama-LSU game has gone under the total by double digits by minus 12.1 points per game. And only one of the last 10 meetings in this series has seen more than 46 combined points. The line, again, currently at 48.5. One more thing that I do like about it is, yes, both teams are well-rested. They're coming in off a bye week. The last four times Alabama has a bye week, they've gone 0-4 over under in their next game. And for LSU, the last 11 times they've had a bye week, they have gone 1-9-1 over under. So both teams really bring the defense. They tend to go under the total at a very high percentage after a week of rest. And that's the way I'm going. The anticipated final score based on the point spread and the over-under line is Alabama 35, LSU 14. And I think we see something around maybe a 27 to 14 final score, maybe as high as a 31 to 14 final score. Either way, Mark, I've already got my wager in on the under, and it'll probably do nothing but go down throughout the course of the week as we approach that 8 o'clock Eastern kickoff on Saturday night. So if you do care to join me, get your action in as soon as possible. Victor looks for a defensive battle in the LSU-Alabama showdown game Saturday, taking place in Birmingham, Alabama, or Tuscaloosa, I should say, when the Tide takes on the Bengals here. Both teams, as Victor mentions, comes in off bye weeks. Each will be well-prepared, well-rested to get ready for this football game. Uh, a matchup of maybe perhaps a coaching mismatch, if you will, at the top. you, you got Nick Saban from Alabama, Ed Ogeron from LSU. And uh, I had uh, uh, I got a good chuckle inside the write-up of this game inside our football playbook newsletter this week. Uh, Charles Milstead, who does a great job editing everything that we do at Playbook, uh, he wrote that game up for us. And uh, he made a great reference about Ed Ogeron saying that he's harder to understand than a Mongolian throat singer. <laughs> when he speaks, <laughs> when he speaks and he talks, and between his Bayou, <laughs> his Bayou accent and the manner in which he delivers here, I I, I really kind of thought that line was right dead on about Ed Ogeron. We'll find out whether he can coach in this football game or not. What we do know is that the LSU Bengals come into this game five and one to the spread as dogs of more than fifteen points, and in fact nine and zero to the spread when they're in the second of back-to-back road games is. Uh, LSU, some good numbers here. They're one of uh, a handful of teams in college football this year that is what we call a double deuce offense. They run the ball and they pass the ball for 200 yards on both sides of the football. Those usually make for nice cases for underdogs in college football games because they bring that well balanced offense into a football contest. Alabama comes in with that maybe arguably this chip on their shoulder, not being the number one ranked team in the college football playoff rankings. But Nick Saban. You know, typical Nick Saban said he can care less about the polls, that he's focused more on the next four games coming up here, which is probably in truth a a truthful statement. But I'm sure he was PO'd about not being the top ranked team in the country in these initial college football poll rankings. Saban is six and one against the spread against rested Southeast Conference opponents. So he's taken advantage of that particular situation coming into the games. Six and oh, straight up the last six games, you'll find in this series here, an average win of 12.8 points per game between Alabama and LSU. The Tide has handled SEC teams this year. They beat all five SEC teams by over 39 points a game, so they've taken care of business when they've had to, <clears throat> excuse me, against the SEC teams that they faced this year. But the bottom line to me is LSU is a what we call a putting-on-the-stats play. Inside the Playbook newsletter this week, our smart box calls out a situational handicap and what it involves is teams and how they fared in the stats this year. And from November on out, what we like to do is to play on any college football team that's won all or all but one of their games in the stats this football season, whenever they're an underdog. That's the role that LSU will be in this particular week. 
uh, they will also be the best team that Alabama will have faced thus far this football season. Here, I got to grab the points with LSU against the Tide in what I think will be a look. Victor says a good defensive struggle in this football game. Put me down for LSU plus the points for my side in this football game on Saturday. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear down our NFL game of the week. we got a dandy inside the NFC conference. We'll also hop out to Las Vegas and check with Andy Isco to get the Vegas vibe and find out what's going on in Vegas this hectic weekend. That and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as an apple and g as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The Totals Tip Sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King, the NFL Totals Guru, at Playbook.com. The Totals Tip Sheet has got you totally covered this football season. It's the best reference source of its kind in the nation. Get your Totals Tip Sheet today at Playbook.com and enjoy the winners. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread in this weekend's college and pro football cards. It's time for our NFL game of the week. We're going to go inside an NFC divisional battle this particular weekend when the Atlanta Falcons take on the Carolina Panthers. Victor, how do you see the Panthers and the Falcons shaking down this Sunday? Well, you know, after Sunday's events played out, Atlanta barely getting by the Jets on the road, and Carolina putting the hammer down on Tampa Bay with a 17-3, I patiently waited for the lines to come out on Monday, and as soon as I saw that line of 44 points in this game, I jumped on the under, and things have changed, of course, dramatically for the Atlanta Falcons, haven't they, folks? 16-2-1 last year in terms of over-unders. But uh, not this season. This Panthers defense is for real. They've now gone eight quarters. That's two full games without allowing an offensive touchdown. They're ranked number two overall in the league, allowing only 267 yards per game. Number five in scoring D, allowing only 17.7. But on the flip side, their offense has really, really struggled, really regressed from 31.7 points per game in their Super Bowl season of 2015 to 23.4 last season to only 18.5 this season. Not only that, but we talked about that Kelvin Benjamin trade, so they've already traded away one of their high-impact offensive players as well. Another team that's regressed big time, of course, is Atlanta. That offense now is averaging 12.2 points per game less than last season, only 21.9 points per game. But what is good and uh, what makes us feel good about our underplay is the fact that they have uh, shown tremendous defensive improvement this year. They're allowing 60 yards per game less than last year and four points per game less. So from a stat standpoint alone, this one should go under the total. We're also talking about a series, a Falcons-Panthers series, which has gone one six and one over under in the last eight meetings, and also when I ran a query within this division, this is a division in which unders have done uh, very very well when the host is favored. NFC South division games have gone one and fifteen over under in the last five years when the host is favored by eight or less like uh, Carolina is, and the over-under line is less than 56 points. That's one over and 15 unders. And, of course, as I just mentioned, the Panthers' D held the Buccaneers to only three total points in Tampa 
last Sunday. In the last three years of NFL action, NFL home favorites of greater than a point who allowed three or less points on the road in their last game have gone a perfect 0-6 over-under. Up next for the Panthers is a Monday night home game against the Miami Dolphins. And NFL teams playing at home before a Monday night home game have gone 1-9 and over-under in the last three years. Get the Atlanta overs out of your head. That was last season. We're going under the total. Falcons, Panthers. It's gone down to 43.5. There's still some value, Mark, but uh, we're definitely going under the total. Victor goes under in the big NFC South division matchup between Atlanta and Carolina for his side in the football game. As Victor mentions here, the Falcons are not anything close to what they were last year. A team that was on a red-hot run, running all the way to the Super Bowl and losing in overtime to the New England Patriots. They come in here just 2-5 and five to the spread this football season here. They're suffering quite a bit from that Super Bowl loser syndrome. It's biting them big time this year, just 1-3 and three to the spread in their four road games this season here. And in fact, look inside this series here, Atlanta just 1-4 and four the last five games at Carolina. What they're suffering from in this particular game, all that aside, is the fact that this is their third straight road game in a row. And uh, they're not a good role situation here. They're 0-6 straight up in ATS in these games when they're taking on winning opponents. That's not a good role for the Atlanta Falcons, to say the least, this particular weekend going up against Carolina, the number two ranked team in the NFL in total team defense, and legitimately the number two ranked team in total defense in the NFL, as they've held all eight opponents they've played this year to either season low or second low total yardage marks. They're really shutting teams down defensively are the Atlanta are the Carolina Panthers this football season here, which allows their offense a chance to when they do take a week off, as Cam Newton's offenses have been known to do in the past, to at least stay competitive in football games. Uh, they're coming in here with triple revenge, if you will, against the Atlanta Falcons. They've lost three straight times the last three games to the Falcons. A good situational role for Carolina. They're 11-4 and four to the spread in that role when the opponent owns a win percentage of less than 700 on the season. In fact, a perfect 5-0 and oh to the spread in that role when Carolina has a winning record themselves. Bottom line to me is the Super Bowl loser syndrome continues to hound the Atlanta Falcons here. I mentioned about three in a row on the road. Super Bowl losing teams playing three in a row on the road. This is going all the way back to 1980. Have been in this role 11 times. They've gone one in 10 straight up and against the spread. This particular roller doesn't bode well for the Atlanta Falcons this week. I'll stay at home with Carolina, the much, much better football team right now. And the team obviously playing much, much better defense. We'll play Carolina Panthers for our side in this big showdown game on Sunday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, it's time to hop out to Las Vegas for one of our favorite segments on the show, our Vegas Vibe, as we do each and every week on the show with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, with everything going on this week, the World Series, the dramatic World Series that we've been watching here, the NBA now in action, NHL in full swing, the Vegas Knights doing quite well, to say the least. College and pro football coming down the stretch. Are you getting any sleep these days? That's a question I have to ask you. Not very much, Mark. And, uh, of course, as we record this podcast, it is prior to Game 7 of the World Series. And I understand all hands are indeed on deck tonight. And so we may see Oral Hershiser and Sandy Koufax warming up <laughs> in the Dodgers bullpen come the late innings. And uh, wouldn't that, that be something if this game goes extra innings? Yeah, that have been Scully call the game. How would that combination that would be? <laughs> I'd, lo- I'd love to hear Vin call half an inning for the Dodgers. I don't know if they have that in store. Probably not. He's probably been asked, and knowing Vin, he probably does not want to be the center of attention, so he'll uh, politely decline, but uh, certainly it would be a treat for all, for fans everywhere. It certainly would. I know he has been asked, as you mentioned, and he has politely declined. He just doesn't want to take the onus off of what's going on and putting it on him. That's the kind of a person that he is. But uh, it's going to be a dandy. Uh, we, uh, that game five was as dramatic and uh, noteworthy as I've ever seen a World Series game. And uh, uh, it was, uh, you know, a lot of balls were flying out of the park in Houston. And I loved, uh, I don't know if you saw, caught Jose Canseco's uh, quote. Did you read that, Andy, about what he said about that football or that baseball game? Uh, this is not broadcast radio, so I believe it can be quoted, but yes, I did see it. Okay, yes, that he <laughs> he refused to the fact that uh, 
uh, the, his balls have less juice than the balls that were on the field <laughs> in that baseball I game. wrote that uh, that was, and it's hard to rank these games, but clearly you have to put that game the other night amongst the top five World Series games ever. I think so, too. I mean, you could make a case for number one, number two, number three. It was just that good. I know World Series Game 7 last year with the Indians losing to the Chicago Cubs was quite dramatic in the buildup and the way that it ended as well. So I'm sure that might also be one of the cases as well. But uh, nonetheless, it's been quite an exciting World Series, to say the least. Uh, and everybody loves Game 7s. There's no question about that. Uh, Andy, I got to also say that in your football newsletter this week, I got a copy of it. Uh, you did a midweek or a midseason statistical review and uh, really, really noteworthy. And I love what you did in there. And you talked about uh, the aberration of what's happened this year as opposed to what's happened from 1988 through 2016. So we can see exactly what what's going on, what we're on parallel with. And it seemed like the largest aberration was in the NFL uh in the two-to-one rushing edges in the National Football League. I think it's a great job and a great study that you did. Uh, anything that you can uh, maybe draw to a conclusion why there uh, is much, much more two-to-one rushing edges in the NFL this year as there have been in the past? Yeah, I'm not quite sure I have an answer on that. Again, there's only 44 occurrences of it this year, but that's still close to 40% of all the games being played. And I think it's just that we've had a number of teams have some very poor rushing uh, efforts throughout the season. But the point of the study that I do, that I've done basically every year, is to point out that what we've all heard is pretty much true that you win and cover point spreads by having a good rushing game. You have a good defense, and most importantly, you avoid turning the football over. And if you can look for teams that seem to meet those criteria based upon how they've performed uh, thus far, uh, and you find them going up against opponents that seem to be the reverse, that tend to have difficulty stopping the run, have difficulty avoiding turnovers, then you've got yourself some very solid situations. And again, a lot of the sabermetricians will claim that turnovers are random. I'm not so sure that they're random. Perhaps defensive recoveries of turnovers are random, but I think that there are several teams, and we see it over the years. We see it with New England. We see it with Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. We've seen it for years with Kansas City. Teams that do not turn the football over on offense and therefore give opponents additional opportunities seem to be the teams that win and cover much more often than teams that seem to have trouble in those in that, in that specific area. You could read all about these averages uh, in this, uh, what Andy calls his midseason statistical review inside this week's copy of the Logical Approach football newsletter. To get a copy, simply log on at thelogicalapproach.com or pick up a copy at the playbooksuperstore.com website to get a copy just in time for this weekend's football games. And Andy, we talked, Victor and I did at the beginning of the show about how rocky it's been for underdogs here in the National Football League the past two weeks. Favorites are cruising right now, and we're seeing that in the Westgate Superbook contest as well as it appears that the leaderboard had another rough week in the contest last week. Yeah, in fact, uh, I'll I'll talk about underdogs specifically in a moment. As far as the consensus, the top five picks that most people like to pay attention to each week, each season, coming into last week, uh, coming into this, this Past week, it was 12 and 23. This week, uh, things uh, subsided a little bit. Instead of 0 and 5, the consensus went 2 and 3. But that still brings the year-to-date totals to 14 up and 26 down, which is 35% against the uh, point spread. Not very good at all. Overall, favorites were 20, 36, and 1 coming into last week. And the uh, when I say favorites, it's in the contest when the more contestants preferred the favored team to the underdog team. Last week, those favored teams went 4 and 2 if they were favorites, 24, 38, and 1. When the contestants backed the underdogs, remember, prior to two weeks ago, they were nine games over 500. Then they gave all nine games back with that 0-9 week when the underdog, which is unusually a large number of games for the underdog to be preferred, nine of them, went 0-9 uh, to bring it to 22-22-2. Last week, that downturn continued 2-5 and five this past week, so 24-27-2 when the majority of the contestants in any specific game have backed the underdog side. Uh, there were two games this year that have been pick them one and one on those games, and there was one game this season in which there was an even split on both sides of the game. So for the season, the overall selections for all 118 games that had uh, one side preferred over the other, 49 up, 66 down, 
with three pushes. So not a very good season overall based on the con- on the consensus. And after getting off to a very hot start, the leaders in the uh, Super Contest regular contest have come back to the pack where, to the point now, the leaders, there are two of them at 28 and 12. That's 70%, which is still a very nice percentage, but considering two weeks ago after 30 selections, the leaders were 24 and 6, which is 80%, that means the top of the leaderboard did not fare very well, 4 and 6 uh, basically for the leader spot over the uh, past two weeks. Uh, looking overall, they pay 50 positions in the regular Super Contest. Right now, there are 27 contestants f- tied for the final paying position, which is at 25 points or 62.5% to be in the money. Just going over the top of the leaderboard, there are two at 28 points, two at 27 and a half. By the way, the individual in second play are actually tied for third now at 27 and a half. Same contestant, two entries right up there, 27 and a half, one half point out of the lead. There are two more at 27, and then eight at 26 and a half, and nine at 26. So just looking at that, that's 23 contestants within two points of the lead as we are about to approach the midpoint of the season. 40 of 85 selections have already been posted, so we're about to hit the halfway point with this week's selections. Super Contest Gold, that uh, leader is actually one game behind the regular contest. The leader is now at 27 and 13 for 27 points. That's the $5,000 entry fee winner take all. Uh, However, overall at the top of the leaderboard, there are 94 contestants in the contest, 27 of them, so almost a third of them are hitting at 60% or better, which is 21 points. So the Super Contest gold field is starting to show its strength at the top of the leaderboard as compared to the regular Super Contest, not necessarily in the amount of points that the leader has, but the number of contestants who are as a percentage of the field are hitting better, or hitting 60% or better. Overview of what's going on in the Westgate Superbook Contest in Las Vegas this week. And uh, I'll throw my little editorial in there, Andy, if I may, that... uh, uh, up until the past two weeks when favorites have really kind of rolled in the National Football League, uh, my own personal ticket, I went 0-5 two weeks ago, 1-4 and last week. And I said to a friend of mine, uh, he says, well, what do you feel about this contest? And I says, well, if I were married to the contest, I'd be filing for divorce right now. <laughs> 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 after these past two weeks because it can be numbing you know when <laughs> when you start inching close and you're doing well and all of a sudden you take a left and a right and all of a sudden for all intents and purposes you're out of the contest at the midway point but uh it's what the contest is all about and it, i really would love nothing other than uh looking forward to seeing what this week's lines are again this week so that's what it is in the superbook contest and a great overview of what's happening in the contest from andy isco at the logical approach Dot com in Las Vegas. And Andy, if you would, I know Jay Cornegay sends out an overview of what uh, he projects lines might be uh, from uh, a week in advance early and uh, any adjustments you see that are noteworthy from last week to this week that our listeners might be aware of or want to be aware of. Yeah, there are several that uh, seem to be somewhat significant. Let's start with the first game on. Well, let's start with the Thursday night game for those who may be listening to this in advance. Buffalo was a two and a half point road favorite at the Jets prior to last week's action. Uh, the uh, Jets lost in a tough game at home to Atlanta. The Bills won an easy contest at Oakland. That line came up with Buffalo a three and a half point favorite. So that's a full point adjustment over the key number of three, but. A day or so prior to kickoff, that number has gone down to Buffalo minus three. That seems to be uh, likely where that line will have closed uh, by the time uh, that game kicks off. Uh, Looking at the first Sunday game between Denver and Philadelphia, few teams are looking as sharp right now as consistently as Philadelphia. And few teams are struggling over recent weeks as uh, Denver has. In fact, Denver, of course, off of the uh, loss uh, Monday night to Kansas City, Philadelphia off a rather easy uh, 33-10 win over San Francisco. The Eagles were projected last week. They were actually available as six-and-a-half-point home favorites over the Broncos prior to the action of the week. Sunday night after Philadelphia had won and Denver was yet to play, the Eagles were made seven-and-a-half-point home favorites, which quickly got bet down to seven, which was not a surprise because Denver was a popular choice Monday night getting the points against Kansas City. However, after Kansas City won by 10 points on Monday night, when the game came back on the board Tuesday morning, the Eagles had been installed once again as seven-and-a-half-point 
favorite. So in other words, they ignored the half point move and said we were right to begin with. And indeed, that number has moved. But this time it has moved in the way of Philadelphia. The Eagles currently an eight point favorite in that game. Another interesting game, Cincinnati at Jacksonville. Jacksonville off their bye, and Cincinnati struggling, needing an interception return to defeat Indianapolis at home last week, 24-23. Last week, Jacksonville was a three-point favorite, minus 120. When that line came up after Sunday's action, which involved only Cincinnati winning by that point, Jacksonville was adjusted to a four-point opening favorite. That line actually got bet up. So as high as Jacksonville, five and a half, that line has come back down. Jacksonville, pretty much a solid four and a half point home favorite uh, based upon the action that we've seen and resulting uh, the results from Sunday's uh, Cincinnati game. Indianapolis at Houston, Indianapolis, the team that nearly pulled off that upset. Houston at Seattle, that was that wild 41-38 Seattle win in which Houston had the lead for most of that contest but fell short. Last week, Houston was a 10.5 point home favorite over the Colts. No adjustment following Indianapolis's close loss and Houston's close loss. Houston opened a 10.5 point favorite. However, we've seen a lot of action on that game, a full 2.5 point move to where Houston is now a 13 point home favorite over the Indianapolis Colts, despite the fact that Jay and the boys at the Westgate felt no adjustment was needed to the line that existed a week ago. Kansas City at Dallas. This game is interesting on several fronts. Dallas last week was a pick'em at home against Kansas City. Of course, Dallas won 33-19 at Washington. Kansas City won at home 29-19 over Denver Monday night. When that line came out Sunday afternoon, which is after Dallas's win, but prior to Kansas City's Monday night game and prior to the Ezekiel Elliott decision, which came out on Monday, Dallas opened Sunday night as a two-point home favorite, was bet down to one and a half. The game came off the board on Monday prior to the Kansas City kickoff. The announcement had already been made that Ezekiel Elliott's suspension at that time had been removed and that it was thought that he would miss this weekend's game. Of course, as we do this broad, this uh, podcast, uh, the legal ramifications have not yet been sorted out for this week. Nonetheless, after the Monday night game, Kansas City and Dallas opened once again a pick So the Sunday movement was ignored, and the early money has come in on Kansas City to where Kansas City is now a one-point road favorite at Dallas. And the final game to uh, discuss is the Monday night game, Detroit at Green Bay. Detroit lost a tough game, 20-15 to at home to Pittsburgh Sunday night, moving the ball up and down the field but failing to cash in in the red zone. Green Bay, of course, off their bye where they had an opportunity to assimilate uh, backup quarterback uh, Brett Huntley more into the offense after having a uh, full two weeks to do so. This game was a pick last week, and that's where that game opened up on Sunday afternoon prior to the Sunday night game. After Detroit's performance Sunday night in the loss, when the game opened up on Monday morning, Detroit was a one and a half point road favorite. And surprisingly, perhaps somewhat, the money has come in on Detroit to the point where they are now two and a half point road favorites, which is interesting from the standpoint that apparently the uh, bye week for Green Bay did not affect the original opening of Pickham. And yet Detroit's loss at home and now going on the road to a division rival nonetheless had the betters take the early move when it opened up at one and a half went up to two that was an overview of what's happened in the line adjustments from Jay Cornegate, at the Westgate Superbook from our good friend Andy Isco at thelogicalapproach.com in Las Vegas quite a bit of movement in the NFL lines if you will from last week to this week Victor I know you've got a question you want to ask Andy on the show as well a totals question, if I can, uh, Andy, uh, specifically for the many people out there that like betting overs in uh, both NFL and college football. You know, Andy, in the NFL, there's basically a line in which sharp bettors do not consider going over the total anymore. And that's probably somewhere in the 55 to 56 point range where there's basically no value on this particular game going over the total. My question to you is. In college football this week, the three games with the highest over-under lines. In the Pac-12, Arizona-USC is at 74. In the AAC, Central Florida-SMU is at 75 and a half. And that's, of course, a Central Florida team that is leading the nation in scoring at 51 points per game. And then finally, the Bedlam battle in Oklahoma. The Sooners against uh, the Cowboys already up to 76 points. My question, is there a similar type line 
that you would no longer consider going over the total as far as value goes in college football? Is it 70, 75, 80, or does it not matter? I don't know that there is any specific guideline that I could point to for the colleges because we have so many teams involved of differing levels of uh, caliber of athletes, quality of program, etc. Different styles of play, different paces of play. You know, you've got 130 uh, FBS teams in college football compared to 32 in the NFL. The universe of teams, the talent in the NFL is not that disparate when you consider the best teams from the weakest teams. And very often uh, it's a matter of coaching in the NFL. Where And I always go back to the situation of Steve Young was a horrible quarterback in Tampa Bay goes to San Francisco, makes it to the Hall of Fame. So sometimes it's a question in the NFL of where you are because the talent is that evenly spread out. I think in the college game, I look more towards the style of play and, again, looking at defense more so than offense. If I'm looking at teams that have very poor defenses, and we'll see in college games, it's not unusual for there to be between for teams to have 85 to 90 to 95 snaps in some occasions where the points uh, come up uh, quite uh, prolifically as far as happening very, very quickly, two, three-play series, etc. Uh, we've seen totals as high as in the mid to upper 80s. We saw that last year. I think in a couple of Texas Tech games, right. I would say generally uh, I try to avoid looking to play totals above 70 because all it takes is one or two drives that take eight, nine, 10 plays and produce nothing to keep a total from going over despite the rest of the game uh, being high paced. So I think when you get up to that point where let's say you know, if 10 touchdowns in a game would be 70 points, that's generally the number that I would look depending upon the two teams involved, as opposed to what you point out in the NFL, 55, 54 in that range. Uh, we've seen, uh, we've actually seen, if you take a look at the total results in college football this year, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I know through this past weekend, there were about 98 more uh, unders than there were uh, overs this year. I think that that's on a team basis. So it may be 40 or 50 games individually that we've seen considerably more unders than overs in college football this season. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas with his overview on the college and pro football scene, if you will. And Andy, before we let you go, You've been on a nice red-hot run uh, on this football season here. I believe 5 0 one your last six plays on your complimentary plays on the show here. And I know our listeners would love to know what you've got on tap on the NFL card this weekend. Well, Mark, yeah, I think we stumbled last week because I do believe I went with Seattle in that game against Houston. And, of well, course, right. they came up. Yeah, they came up a bit short. And uh, in all honesty, Houston was the right side throughout that game as they led early. But, uh, uh, you know, one thing we do as handicappers is we analyze our own uh, uh, process of handicapping. And if I had to play the game over again, I'd be on Seattle once again because of all the reasons that I enumerated last week. But these games don't necessarily play out the way that you expect them to. Uh, I'm going to be involved in the Seattle game this week as they host the uh, Washington Redskins. But this week, I'm going to look to take the points with Washington. Redskins have played better than their 3-4 and four record would suggest because if you look at the four losses, they've been to Kansas City, Dallas, and twice to Philadelphia. You're talking about three of the best teams in the league. I'm not quite ready to put Seattle up there in the class of the elite teams. Now, they do have that past class. They do have that pedigree performance because of all the success they've had making the playoffs the last five five, six seasons, but this does not have the look quite yet of the Seattle team we've uh, grown to know and admire over that half decade or so. Yes, they are coming off their best offensive performance of the season behind Russell Wilson in that 41 to 38 win over Houston last week, but at the same time, point at the same time it was one of their weakest defensive efforts as well going up against the Sean Watson who uh, is going to be a, a player with a tremendous future he's already got a tremendous uh, present in this league and presence in this league for that matter as well using the that uh, derivation of the word but I'm going to look at Washington to be able to have some success moving the ball against the Seattle defense that despite the reputation if you look at the numbers both Seattle and Washington are are allowing an identical 5.3 yards per play. That 
that comes as a bit of a surprise, a little bit above average as far as 5.3 is concerned. Seattle also has not played great football at home this year. Yes, they are 3-0 and straight up. They've won two of those games by a field goal, the game against Houston and the game against San Francisco. And the third game was a 46-18 to win over lowly Indianapolis. But if you recall, that was a Sunday night game. They trailed 15-10 to at halftime in that game. With this line now at 7.5, I think there is a good opportunity to take the Washington Redskins. Not going to say that Washington won't win this game or can't win this game. They certainly can. I do expect Seattle to win, but I expect this game to be decided by less than a touchdown. Andy Isco on the Washington Redskins plus the points against Seattle for his complimentary play on the show this week. And Andy, one good note, at least I'm not your accountant. You'd be in a little bit of trouble if I was your accountant tallying up these numbers here. But a great job nonetheless on what you've done on the show thus far this football season here. I'm going to put you down for Washington for your complimentary play on the show. And once again, I want to remind our listeners to download a copy of Andy's Logical Approach football newsletter. It's a must read. You can do so at thelogicalapproach.com in Las Vegas or at the playbooksuperstore.com website. Andy, I'm going to wish you a best of luck this week and enjoy the games, all the action on tap this week. And we'll look forward to visiting with you next week here on Mark Lawrence against the spread. Mark, Victor, great uh, weekend to both of you as well. Look forward to next week. Thank you very much. That was Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas with his Vegas vibe. Don't go away, guys, and we come back. I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week and our complimentary plays from Victor and myself when we're back with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new coffee club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow coffee club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the coffee club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as an apple and g as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week this week, we call it Mission Accomplished. And what we're looking to do in college football is to play on any mission team that's on the road playing with revenge if they're off a win of 20 or more points and cover the spread by double digits in that win. Mission teams in college football are simply teams that had a losing season after having put together three consecutive winning seasons prior to that. These teams play with the mission the next season here. And our mission accomplished team this week will be on the road with revenge off a win of 20 or more points and a double-digit spread win will be the Oregon Ducks this week. Oregon will play on them because the record of these teams is 26-5 and five since 1990 for our mission-accomplished teams. That's an 81% winning angle on Oregon this Saturday for our awesome angle play on the football show this week. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports. And Victor, I know there's big news on tap as far as the NBA totals today is concerned, if you let our listeners know what's going on with that, and also what you've got on tap at King Creole Sports this weekend. I'm glad you brought up pro basketball. We're into the, what, third week of the NBA season, and the totals tip sheet of the NFL is welcoming them a little, a little baby brother. We're going to de- debut this this coming Friday, it's the playbook NBA totals today. It's basically a one-page combination of text and a spreadsheet that'll cover NBA pro basketball wagering every day. We'll do it every day of the week except Thursdays, and it will be available for free on the front page of the playbook.com website every day beginning on Friday. 
If you like playing your NBA totals, it'll be free for the first month uh, of this month of November, and then we'll go from there. But uh, I'm looking forward to that. And we've been selective with our NBA plays thus far, Mark. We've only we've released three selections. We've been fortunate to go three and zero. That included uh, last night, of course. Again, we record the podcast on Wednesday, and on Tuesday night we had a. Slim win, nevertheless a winner with the Pistons and the Lakers under the total. And we've been fortunate to start the NBA season with a 3-0 record in our NBA totals. And uh, again, we've been selective. We only put out about a play a week. But as we get cranking into the month of November, we'll put them out a little bit uh, more frequently. And we'll have our NBA plays up at playbook.com. Also this week, we got our four-star NFL over of the week, and that'll be available at playbook.com as well. And for our free play this week, we're going into a situation that I wrote about in this week's NFL playbook totals tip sheet. And it's a low scoring situation for teams that are heading into their bye week. And based on what's happening this season, it's either go low or pass in these games. So far in the 2017 NFL season, NFL teams in the game before their bye week have gone under the total 79% of the time when the over-under line is less than 50 points. There are four such teams going this week. Those teams are the Baltimore Ravens, Oakland Raiders, Philadelphia Eagles, and Kansas City Chiefs. And we're going to look at this Baltimore Ravens-Tennessee Titans game. And this is our under of the week. Heck, just researching the series history indicates this has been a low-scoring history. The last four meetings between these two teams have totaled 23 points, 23 points, 39 points, and 28 points. That's an average of only 28.3 combined points per game. And the Ravens, they got a pretty bad offense. Joe Flacco is under concussion protocol. It looks like he will probably play this week. But I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing, as the Ravens are number 31 in the league in offense at only 280 yards per game. But a very, very good number six scoring defense. Baltimore allowing only 18.5 points per game. Of course, we talked at the top of the show the fact that they pitched a shutout against our Dolphins last Thursday. In the last four years of NFL action, our sample size is small, but there's been zero overs, five unders. For all teams who are less than 1,000, that means we have at least one loss on the season, off a home shutout win. Tennessee, their defense is no slouch either. They've allowed only 15.6 points per game in their last three games, and that includes a nine-point effort against the Cleveland Browns in their week before their bye. Of course, they're coming in off their bye week. NFL non-division home favorites of less than a touchdown off their bye week and a straight-up win before that, like the Titans have gone 0-7 and over-under in the last five years when the over-under line is 49 or less points. So we're going under the total in this Ravens-Titans game. That's our free play of the week. The line somewhere in the area of 40-43. to 43. There hasn't been a definitive line posted because of Joe Flacco's uh, condition in regards to his concussion. Either way, we'll be going under the total in that particular game. And don't forget to join us this week in the NFL. There's only one over I like in the NFL this week. It's our four-star over of the week. And, of course, it'll be up at the playbook.com website. And look for the NBA totals today beginning Friday at playbook.com also. As Victor going under the total in the Baltimore-Tennessee game for his complimentary play on the show this week. And once again, a reminder that starting Friday and every day throughout the month of November – you can see online on the homepage of the playbook.com website at no charge. Victor's daily NBA totals today. Observation and plays on the NBA basketball card. Check it out starting Friday at playbook.com. Before I get to my complimentary play, I want to once again remind our listeners that a 10% sign-up bonus is being offered. I should say a 100% sign-up bonus is being offered at our friends at mybookie.ag to open up your account and get your 100% sign-up bonus, simply log on at mybookie.ag or call them toll-free at 1-844-866-BETS. 
That's 1-844-866-2387 to get your 100% sign-up bonus at mybookie.ag. In time for the football games this weekend. And in time for this weekend, I want to also let our listeners know that my 10-star November to Remember special football package offer is now in effect. You can save over $300 and get every NFL and college football play I make throughout the month of November, including my college football false favorite game of the year play, which will go this Saturday. We're documented 12-2-1 and on this play lifetime on our college football fall's favorite game of the year the 10 star remember november to remember will also include our 10 star college football game of the year our nfl game of the month and our big five star college game of the month it's all available with 10 star november to remember to get on board log on now at playbook.com or call me toll free next at 1-800-321-7777 my complimentary play on the football show this week, I'm going to go right back with the team that we fell down with last week, the Virginia Cavaliers, when they take on Georgia Tech this week. And this play comes a lot from our Midweek Alert football newsletter this week. And inside the Midweek Alert, which is all about statistics, we note that Georgia Tech has been, if you chop teams down on how they're playing statistically of late as opposed to how they've done overall on the season, from Game 5 on out, there's been no team in college football that's slipped backwards statistically more than Georgia Tech. I know that's quite a surprise to people out there, but in their first four games of the season, Georgia Tech out their opponents 877 total yards. Since October, they've been out a net total of minus 329 yards. That's an average of minus 118 net yards a game from September to November for Georgia Tech. And you look at this game, Georgia Tech comes in here in a Clemson-Virginia Tech sandwich. They're off of Clemson. In fact, they've struggled in games that they're playing Clemson. They're just 10-19 and 19 to the spread. And in ACC games, when they're on the road after Clemson, they're about 2-8-1 and one straight up and 2-9 and nine to the spread in those particular games. You've got a series where the host team has gone 16-3 and three straight up, 15-3-1 to the spread. And in Virginia, you've got a five-win team. That needs one more win to become bowl eligible. And look who they've got up on deck next. They're going to go to Louisville. They're going to go to Miami of Florida. And they're going to come host home to host Virginia Tech in their final game of the season. They need one game like blood to get their college bowl eligibility. I think they get it here. I'll play Virginia plus the points against Georgia Tech for my complimentary play on the football show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence against the spread. I want to thank our co-host, Victor King from King Creel Sports for another great job on the show this week. Our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it. And good luck as always.